Today's guest is Karen Harvey, the CEO and founder of the Karen Harvey Companies. I had the pleasure of meeting Karen when she took a deep dive into my company several years ago and made a ton of incredibly helpful recommendations on who I should keep and who should go. I think if I had listened to her, I would have had an entirely different outcome in the best possible way. Anyways, Karen Harvey is the CEO and founder of the Karen Harvey Companies, KHC, Fashion Tech Forum, and Index. She has spent her career working with global brands across luxury, retail, fashion, hospitality, technology, and innovation. Her ability to work both in traditional and non-traditional ways has earned her firm international recognition for bringing some of the industry's most successful CEOs and creative leaders to the most powerful global brands. Her ability to work in both traditional and non-traditional ways has earned her firm international recognition for bringing some of the industry's most successful CEOs and creative leaders to the most powerful global brands in fashion and retail. We had an incredible conversation, so if you're interested in the business of fashion or fashion and how to get involved into it and get hired, this is a must listen. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Rebecca, thank you so much. I'm really so honored that you invited me to be here. Of course. I think that, you know, for for those listening, I had the opportunity to meet Karen when we were sort of re-looking at the structure of my company many years ago and getting your expert opinion and thoughts. But beyond that, you have placed some incredible people in incredible places within the fashion industry, as well as launching your podcast, the Fashion Tech Forum, so I just want to start from the beginning, you know, what got you interested in, in the people business? And then on top of that, why fashion? <laughs> Thank you so much. It's very interesting because I have actually never been on this side of the podcast interview. So yeah, it's just, it, 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 it's great to be asked these things because it never happens. I think for me, I was just born going deep, Rebecca. I don't know another way to explain it, but it was just always like that for me, almost from the beginning. I was actually incredibly shy as a child, and people find that very hard to believe, but I was. But I was very observant, and I was very curious, extremely curious. And I, I don't know, it was just sort of an, uh, it was just a natural for me to want to understand sort of what makes people tick and how I could help. My parents got divorced when I was quite young and we moved around a great deal after that. So my life was, was a bit different in my childhood to most of the people I would meet, you know, along the way and, and friends I had grown up with. So I think when those things happen, there are certain wounds that just occur that maybe you're not aware that they exist, but a kind of empathy, uh, arises out of that. So at the same time, I had way too many interests as at, you know for that period in 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 the world and 
you know, there were many things I wanted to do, but what I kept coming back to was people and wanting to understand sort of how they tick. And, but moreover, eventually it just came down to wanting to go deep and how could I help? And for fashion, so from the time I was probably two and a half, I started uh, watching in those days what would be called old movies on TV. My older brother, Rebecca, was a very, became a very well-known film and theater critic uh, globally and eventually started the uh, film and studies program for the Museum of Modern Art. But as a child, he was very different than me in that he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And he wanted to be in film somehow. And, and I think really he knew early on that he was going to be a writer. But he used to wake me up. He was four and a half years older than me. And he used to wake me up in the middle of the night. And we would you know, literally sneak downstairs to the basement and he would turn on quote unquote old movies. And it was Betty Davis and it was Joan Crawford and it was Dolores Del Rio. And it was, you know, just all of these, for me, just watching these women, these incredibly strong and powerful women and what they were wearing. So he would be watching the, he'd be looking at the lighting and the script and he'd be just obsessing over all these things and I was looking at these women and their clothes so <laughs> it really sort of it was just a really interesting and I think for me it I didn't understand of course like two and a half three four years old I mean this went on for years and I, I didn't understand there was this industry called fashion but I just I can remember in my mind's eye right now what Betty Davis was wearing in almost every scene of whatever happened to baby Jane. So, you know, it's like that kind of thing. Well, clearly you and your brother are both underachievers here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he was far, um, far uh, more of an achiever than myself. But yes. Oh, stop, stop. So you had a fascination and an empathy with people and then obviously a love of fashion. So when did you know that, you know, recruiting people for some of the most prized roles within fashion was kind of your calling? It's really, it's really uh, interesting to think back because it was actually, uh, I, my career started developing storytelling and presentation training programs for companies like Sony, Hewlett-Packard, Nike, and Benetton. And the kinds of programs that we were developing at the time were very customized. So I was incredibly fortunate. I would get to go to the offices and the campuses of these amazing companies and everything was customized. So we would sit in like at Nike in you know, big presentation rooms and, and watch the next amazing Air Jordan, you know, come to life. And I learned so much from these brilliant companies about what it looks like to have world-class talent where they still wanted to improve and get better. And the programs were incredibly successful, but at some point, 
clients started saying, you know, you know our company so well, would you help us find this talent and that talent? Would you be interested? And and honestly, I I hadn't ever thought of that before. And I realized, you know, as much as we were working hard to help certain people improve their game, sometimes where there's a will, there's a way. And where there's a will, there isn't that path forward. So I, so it was really about, gosh, 30 years ago uh, that I understood that if our commitment, if my commitment was to help brands really achieve their goals, their mission, their strategy through talent and through helping their in-house talent improve, what would it be like if I took on the challenge of this world of searching for that proverbial, like so difficult to find talent that could actually even take them to the next level? And I got very excited about it. So it was not like a conscious thought, I'm going to go be in search. And and it was odd because I didn't really know how it worked, <laughs> to be honest, which is very typical of, of me, but I knew how I wanted to do it. And so I, it, it really became clear to me that having these two sides of being able to either help people improve and hit their their stride in how they were articulating their messaging or thinking about critically thinking through their ideas to articulate their message, that it would also be so fascinating to meet people outside of their world that could really help dramatically improve everything. And in that beginning phase, how did you even know where to find people? And and how did you recognize excellent talent? Because I think for those listening who are interested in the fashion industry, talent is, there's lots of it, but it's a very, you know, it gets very narrow at the top. Yep, <laughs> it sure does. So how did you, A, find people and know what to look for? Well, thank you for that. And the first thing I'm going to say is that the word talent, I, I think actually is too broadly used. I think there are people who are really good at things and then there's there's talent. And so in my view, there's talent and there's extraordinary talent. And there are many, many people who are good at many things. But, but I, I think the, the word talent in general is also, you know, something to really pay attention to. And you know it when you see it, is it a feeling you get? Is it? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's just like taste, Rebecca, in some ways you cannot teach this and you can teach all the skills around how to get to the right people and what the cadence is and the research and finding the people, but knowing when you see it, like knowing it in your bones is one of those things that I, I think it's, it's, it's very, it's very rare. Mm -hmm. um, it, for me, the analytical part of like deciding if someone's right for something comes after the knowing. And so it's like for you, when you know, you've 
created an extraordinary bag. You know it's coming. You can see it in your mind's eye. You know it. And then after that, you're selling it. You're talking to people about it. You're helping people see what you see, but you know it when you're making it, right? Mm-hmm. So in my world, the ability to like really see that that talent, I think, is a gift. And it's not something in some ways I can really take credit for. It's just, it's something you refine like any other uh, skill set. But that part, you have to know yourself and what to look for in yourself when you get it. But it's not, for me, the it's not an analytical, immediate sort of analytical process. Well, I can say, and this is not a, not a sponsored post or plug for you, but having worked with several headhunters, you almost feel like, at least when I would speak to you, that I'm talking to someone who's far more interested than a transaction, um, which sometimes headhunting can feel like that or placing talent can feel like that. But I think when I'm talking to you, it's like, oh, this is someone that truly cares and is interested versus let's just get the person in there and thank let me get so my commission. <laughs> yeah, thank and you I think so it much. Takes, it takes real people skills and real care for people to, to be that way. Well, it means the world to hear that from you, Rebecca, because it is it is the single experience I want people to have because it really matches my overarching mission and my methodology, which is, but when you think about the words transaction and people coexisting in a business, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it sounds pretty terrible. And I know that that's an experience that many people have through this work. And met, there are many, many people who are very good at what we do and, and are not that way, but um, I, it just, for me, that my resistance initially to going into search to begin with had everything to do with that. Yeah. I could not imagine um, being in a world or a company or an environment or a context, context where it was all about the transaction and the numbers and getting it done. So for that reason, I eventually had to create my own company so I could do it in a way that felt um, like it had integrity for me. And, and that, so thank you so much for that because that's all it's about. And genuinely, I only do our work with companies and people I want to work with. And by the way, that's been a blessing and also a huge challenge um, what was the most challenging part of that? Well, you can't scale with that mindset, right? It's, it's literally impossible. Mm-hmm. At least it has been for me. So I, it's, it's a very, that selectivity because I want to, I really want to support people who have vision and who I, I would want to work for and with and who inspire me. I mean, it gets pretty narrow at that point, right? It's you, 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 you meet and know so many more people than I do. And it's, um, 
it's definitely a challenge. And it's been a very big challenge for me to scale that vision. Do you want to start a company but have no idea where to begin? Or do you have dreams of becoming an influencer? Well, the Life with Mariana podcast is here to help. I'm Mariana Hewitt, a Los Angeles-based influencer and co-founder of the Clean Skincare line, Summer Fridays. Each Tuesday, I'm talking to my friends from business owners, wellness experts, and more to share all of their best advice for you to live your best life. Make sure to tune in and subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what's coming up each week so you don't miss an episode. How have you managed to grow in spite of that? I have a phenomenal team of people. I can't even describe to you how fortunate I am. I mean, Maya's with us now. She's she's on mute, but I wish, you know, really everyone listening to your to, to these conversations and I know Rebecca, you are more than almost anyone I know, you are a woman for all women, and and I am surrounded by the most extraordinary women. Maya has been with me for 18 years, and everything I've created outside of Karen Harvey Consulting and also in growing Karen Harvey Consulting, Maya has practically been next to me. The companies are just under 22 years old, and Maya's with me 18 years, so... Wow. And then, you know, there are people like Jess and people like Lauren and, you know, who are with me 12 years, 11 years. I mean, it's just extraordinary. So I think they are my ignition and they are many times my compass and really keep me inspired and humble. They they have strong opinions and they all care about each other. And it's, it's really, it's really quite extraordinary. So I I have not done it alone. Um, and you know, in some ways as you, as, as you grow and make mistakes along the way and, you know, people who are with you can even often see you making these, these, errors or taking a left when you should be taking a right, but wholeheartedly go with you because they know they're going to learn something, I think. And so, yeah, I, I, I think the way that I think about all of this is it's been very organic and it's been through the support and, you know, passion of this team. So let's talk about a left turn. What's a left turn you've taken that you go, okay, here we go. And, and <laughs> yeah. what is you in the, yeah, in the I feel like I've, yeah, I feel like I've, I've, I've made way too many for one life, but, <laughs> um, but when we first launched index, you know, for me uh, uh, naively, you know, here is Maya next to me who was part of the generation who just kind of adopted and adapted to technology like there was nobody's business. And Maya would look at me and I would say things like, why, why do I want all these followers? You know, what, what, what is, 
what is this platform? She'd like, no, more is better. I'm like, no, less is better. And she would (laughs) say to me, you know what, Karen, like the way people will think about getting jobs in the future will be very different than today. And what we sort of came to was, wouldn't it be cool to launch a platform that was like the company hired and hired is a technology-based hiring platform for people who make product for the technology world. So engineers, product managers, and it's mostly done at the time. It was mostly done in a two-way technology space, two-sided platform. So we're like, yes, we're going to, you know, let's create that and build that. And we did, we started and we had really, I had no idea what the investment would be ultimately in creating such a two-sided marketplace for talent. And, you know, we invested a lot of money and eventually pivoted and had to abandon the platform side of it because we didn't have cash. At what point did you go, okay, it's time to move on? Because I think that sometimes people, you know, there's so many messages out there like, just stay with it and it'll, (laughs) it'll happen. And then there's times there's like, no, you need to pivot. And I've been a victim and I shouldn't say a victim. I've been (laughs) a failure at both continuing too long. And and then just being like, well, I'm pivoting. That's it. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and and I, I think what happens is even those of us who are like you, we come from a growth mindset, we are open to feedback, we 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 want to hear from the people who we know are supporting us, but sometimes we can only see the goal line, the end zone, the place that that it all works out and we've changed the world through this this brilliant thing we've made and i tend to be quite quite single minded i think in some some ways to my own detriment and really what happened was we because we had invested so much money we we were fortunate enough to get engaged with with three minority investors Lou Frankfurt, Austin Hurst, and a wonderful guy called Thomas Mackey. And it was having these three brilliant people around us who went on this journey of helping me and us explore how to achieve this two-sided marketplace for talent. And by the way, other people have been able to do this, right? Not exactly in our vision, but you know, so the vision wasn't wrong, but we didn't have the means. And at some point, I don't know if anyone had to turn to me to say like, no, but the money we raised was not sufficient to build what we wanted to build. And, and I also realized that it was taking a toll on the other things that I I was making at the same time. Fashion Tech Forum, I felt had you know, more appropriate legs for the overarching vision of our businesses. And Maya f- wholeheartedly agreed with that. And so we had to focus. We had very limited resources and we had to focus. 
And KHC, Karen Harvey Consulting, really was the sort of, you know, mothership of everything that we were doing. And, and it was becoming a distraction in a way to try to build this thing that was really designed for up and coming talent when I felt we could make a much bigger impact through KHC and Fashion Tech Forum by really focusing on the strategic uh, side of how to help brands really emerge through their own crises, through talent and strategy and things like that. So it was a pivot. And it's really amazing because Maya and I just usually come to things at the same time and we, and, and, and we get on with it. We don't bemoan, you know, there might be a few tears, but it's really quick and we pivot and we run. So that was kind of it. And I think my investors were relieved to be honest. Well, thank you for sharing that. I feel often women are either scared to take risks or scared to admit failures. Um, I'll never forget. I, I did go to an industry thing with, with everyone will remain anonymous, <laughs> but it was the big dick contest. We were in an intimate setting and it was like, everyone share your you know fears and failures. And it was only about, I'm awesome and everything is great. And I left oh, there, no. you know, and I was like, this yeah. is so oh, not no. what this oh, moment no. was for. We're in this billionaire's apartment who, yes. you know, and he wouldn't even share anything that he was a failure at. It's like he couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. he had to keep up appearances. So thank you for sharing that. Of course, there are more. If you want to have another session, another day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go deep. Um, so I would love because a lot of my listeners are interested in the fashion world, you know, have dreams or aspirations. And I would love your real world take on what it takes to make it. But also, you know, you mentioned your team, many of whom have been with you for 18, 16 years. And today with hires, it is, it still blows my mind. I guess to some degree, I'm still part of the old guard. I'm like, what? It's, it's been a year. You're leaving. That's it. <laughs> I, I and like, well, I'm getting a 30% raise and a new title oh. and a blah. And I'm like, well, yes. I can't compete with that. How yes. do I do that? So I feel like we're in this crazy instant gratification age, but then sadly, the only way for someone to make more money is to leave. What would you say to people listening on, on both sides of, you know, how to succeed and then how to, how to build your, your life career? Yes, sure. So I can't help, but be part of the old guard because I'm, I've, I've got many, many years of experience and I, I, I do I do try to understand all sides, if you will. So I'll begin with that. A career in fashion it can can take many, you know, has has many different opportunities. You know, first and foremost, I think for everyone, even if you're kind of a multi hyphenate like me or like you are, Rebecca, you wrote an incredible book. I mean, you're doing this. You're a designer. You're a pioneer. So there is absolutely nothing wrong. And in fact, I encourage people who have multiple interests to really explore them. But I think you have to pick a lane early on where you believe you will learn the most and be the most successful because this is just not an easy business. And 
I, I, I would imagine you would, you would agree with me, but please tell me if you don't. In some ways, fashion is almost unrecognizable as an industry, you know, as it was even a decade ago. So much is changing. So I think, one, what about fashion really interests you? And what are you really good at? Because right now, um, we really need creativity, I would say, more than ever before. It, it seems so easy for people to jump in, which I think is great. I love the democracy of it all. I also believe that without real creativity, the industry becomes quite vanilla. And um, I was reading something recently that a trend forecaster wrote and was saying that it's so difficult to be a trend forecaster now because, because trends don't even stick. Everything changes so quickly and, and people don't kind of glom on to that norm core or whatever that thing is for long enough for brands to really make that stick. So the short answer is knowing yourself as early as possible and really finding what you're good at is, I think, the answer to so many things. And if you have multiple talents and which will serve you as an entrepreneur, or if you want to be a CEO eventually of a company, all those things will serve you well. But in the beginning, like what part of it would you be good at and go find a way to learn that and get a job doing that? The other thing I think is, I think it, I think slowing down is really good. I, I think ambition is crucial and I have no issue with ambition, but I think knowing what your ambitions are and that you're ambitious and holding that, holding space for that versus jumping from thing to thing is, is really important because I do believe the best way to achieve our goals is to be able to learn from, you know, people who are willing to help you. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on the other side, I would just say in terms of hiring talent and hiring people, I, I say, look for talent, not just, you know, filling a slot. I've always felt that way and be prepared to make the experience valuable for every single person. You know, Maya graduated from university and became my receptionist, her first job out of college. So, but I saw her, I saw her. And so what I want to really close on here is see your people and the ones who really have it and you know what it looks like invest in them. And it's not just financial. Give them the extra time. Give them a piece of you every day that makes them feel like staying might even be more valuable than the increase. And look, it's expensive to live today. It's not easy. So I think there's a balance of that 
But I also believe in financially investing, you know, less is more to me. So investing in those people who you really see and who see you, uh, you know, my experience is whether it's a multi-billion dollar, you know, global uh, fashion brand or whether it is a, a, a company like yours, Rebecca, where you've reinvented yourself several times. I, I think that, that, you know, this rule applies. I think that's incredible advice. And I hope those listening take it to heart because you got an expert here, uh, a veteran expert giving all, all the tips and tricks. So thank you for sharing that. Um, before we wrap, I love to ask my guests the same two questions. Everyone gets the same two. Okay. What would we be surprised to know about you? Okay, well, I don't think that most people know that I've been a practicing Zen student for 35 plus years now. So I started practicing with a bona fide Zen master from Japan when I was uh, 22 years old. And uh, that's been a practice at the core of everything I do for my my whole career. Wow. Well, I can tell because you're so calm in an industry that is so frenetic and can be sometimes <laughs> so dramatic. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, my last question is, what is a piece of advice you'd love to leave my listeners with, whether you learned it the hard way or someone gave to you that was actually helpful? First of all, I think it, it's, it's, it's that there are so many things swirling through my head. And yes, I was prepared for this, but now I'm just sort of really wanting to land this thing, which is, I was once told when I was deciding what to do next before I opened my businesses, somebody you and I both know looked at me and said, Karen, why do you want to go work for somebody else when you have such a clear vision and what you want to do and how you want to do it is just not found anywhere. Why don't you just do this yourself? And I would say it was the best piece of advice I've ever been given and really the scariest thing. So what I would say, and so many years, you know, 35, 40 years into my career, what I would say to you and anybody listening is find a way to be yourself in your career, but know that being yourself isn't about the, the external. It's not necessarily what's out like, so I can just be quirky or I can just be a certain way. It's about being able to be in your own skin so you can serve. So for my, for, for, for me, I think in some ways we're all in service to somebody else or something else. And even if that means being in service to our own vision, we have consumers, we have, you know, a much wider team who count on us to make a living and support their families every day. So for me, if you're in your own skin, then you can, you can think about other people when we aren't able to feel comfortable where we are or in what we're doing, then all we're worried about is ourselves. So in Zen practice, we're 
we're always sort of trying to quiet our minds and really be able to be present so we can see kind of what's needed. And we can't do that if we're not in the right place at the right time. I think you've given such invaluable advice today and, and um, I hope those listening take it to heart because you don't get it often. Um, Thank you. Especially, yeah, especially <laughs> for, for people who uh, place such incredible talent in such amazing companies, which I shared in my intro. So Thank you. Thank you. And before I let you go, where can people listen to you, attend Fashion Tech Forum, apply apply for search, all all the places? (laughs) Great. So um, the khc.co is a a great place to start. And on our kind of thought leadership page, you can learn all about Fashion Tech Forum. And then I also have a podcast and it's in the studio with its fashion tech forum in the studio with Karen Harvey. So I so appreciate this, Rebecca. It's been really a lot of fun and I admire you so, and um, just, you know, thanks a million. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. And it was good to hear your voice. Yours too. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again, and you will hear from me next week.